Production. Recorded live. Welcome, 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 ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to T25CL Galaxy Talk Radio here at Rosalind's <laughs> Corner. Everybody, I welcome everybody who's here tonight. You know how we do. We always have a great show. And tonight's not going to make it any different, okay? But tonight, as always, you know how I like to introduce everything that's going on with our company, with T25CL Entertainment. We are an innovative company that has a global platform for independent artists, okay, for their music that's trying to get out there. And you know what? We welcome everyone. Anyone who's an independent artist, come to T25CL, log in to www.t25cl.com, look at the great music, the artists that we have on there already, and you know what, it's going to be a phenomenal time when people just join us, join us in concerts, in everything that we do. United We Stand is a film that's going to be um, released very soon. And we look forward to all the phenomenal things that's going to take place, the lives that's going to be touched, and the people that's going to be entertained. It's going to be off the chain, everybody, okay? It is. Uh, trust me, I'm telling you, it is. All right, so tonight, you know what? I just want to, you know, I always have such great guests, and I love my returning guests. They have so much to share and tonight doesn't make it any different. This young lady who is on tonight, uh, you know, just let me give you a little snippet, because she's going to tell you all the rest, okay? A little snippet about Dr. Judy Murray. She has over 25 years of experiencing in education. She has taught all grade levels in all subjects, I mean, in both public and private schools. She has taught as a professor several courses in psychology and human relations. Her recent accomplishment included researching, designing, and structuring a private educational clinic, okay, a private educational clinic, Moments of Inspiration, I think she calls it, by Murray. Educational clinic included five-level evaluation. I mean, the complete assessment included a medical, psychological, academic, nutritional, and athletic assessments for students K through 12 Grade and the results of implementing the assessments allow parents, students, and teachers to gain a better understanding of the student in five different areas in order to enhance their overall success in a learning environment. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome to T25CR Galaxy Talk Radio here at Rosalind's Corner, Dr. Judy Murray. Welcome, Dr. Judy. Hi, Roz. Hi, audience. How are guys doing? How are you? Thank you. Thank you so much for that powerful introduction. I appreciate the opportunity. I appreciate the time that you're giving me to express my passion, my passion and my purpose for living. Um, and tonight we are going to talk about – oh, were you going to ask some questions, Roz? I'm sorry. Well, yes, I am, because, you know, I, I, this I, I like to do it, my, my, my guests, because before all this has transpired, all the great accomplishments that you are uh, delving in right now, 
there had been a starting point. Someone who really mentored you Mm. or taught you or gave you a a vision or envisioned you to be who you are today. I mean, from the time we're in school or the time that we're growing up with our parents, you know, our siblings or uh, uh, whomever that were influential in our lives, there's always that starting point. So, yes. Give my my listening audience that starting point in Dr. Judy before she came, Dr. Judy. Oh, what a wonderful and a powerful question. You know, I want to give credit to my father, uh, Reverend Anthony Emanuel. He was my father. He was my mentor. He was my um, leader. He was my spiritual advisor. He was my best friend. My father, he was a godly man. He knew God but he understood what it took to persevere and to go through any regimen and also make sure that you finish what you start. And this has been a long journey, you know, finishing with three masters and a doctorate. I mean, no one needs that much education, but God gave me strength to finish and to use what he's given me for others. Uh, Everything I've gotten in, in this a quest of achievement is for other people. It's not for Judy, for Dr. Murray. And my father lived that life. He lived a very selfless life. And I, I saw that as a young girl and even as a woman. He always gave. And that is my desire to continue to give to teachers and to students and to educators everything that I've been given. That is so great. That is wonderful. And I think that is so key in an individual's life coming up to have that not only the mother and the father, but even if you had a mother or father figure who really gave you that support, who embellished and gave you the love that was needed for you to transpire to who you are today. Well, also, I do want to say my my mom, who, bless her sweet, precious heart, there were nine children, and my mother, of course, she gave the best she get, she could with the nine children, but when you have nine kids, you only can give so much. But my mom, in her quietness, in her prayers, and her perseverance, um, she was also there. But, uh, of course, my dad was the stronger influence because of the, the father-daughter relationship, but I do love my mom. And I want to honor her tonight by saying thank you, Mom, for just enduring with the nine children and giving us what we needed, even though sometimes she didn't have enough, but we always were wanting more um, from my mother. But anyway, my mom's a great woman, and I thank God for her also. Of course, we definitely can't forget moms, you know. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Well, okay, well, let's, let's bring it up because we've got quite a few people who are waiting on the chat board, ready to open up the lines. But um, what we want to do right now is, Dr. Judy, as I said, I, I give the platform over to you now because what we're talking about tonight is what was in my monologue, education of our children. K through 12, a vital part of an individual's life and they're coming up. So let's go ahead. I'm going to let you start. Yes, I want to start off by saying for years we've heard the term no child left behind, meaning no student left behind in the classroom. And what has been on my heart, and I would say not even on my heart, but in my, in my, my desire, my deepest desire, is to come up with the term no teacher left behind, because without a teacher, 
we cannot have students. Without, without a teacher in the classroom, there is no classroom, and every student needs a teacher. We all know that for years, um, I'm sure everyone on the line listening, we talk about educational reform. And I'm going to say tonight that there's no form left. We, don't, we, we all know what's happening in our school systems. We all know the saga, the sad story about the problem. And then we keep hoping that we can take a form that, that has been outdated and reform it. There is no form left. And so tonight, I want to talk about how we change, how can we change the process of hiring teachers? Because teachers, I believe, and I will say this powerfully, are the most important people in our lives besides our parents. Our teachers need honor, our teachers need respect, and our teachers need a chance to teach. And for some strange reason, we are having an exodus, massive exodus of teachers not staying in the classroom for whatever reason. It could be money, it could be stress, it could be just not ready to fulfill their duties and their roles as a, as a, as a teacher, as a professor in the field of education. So what I want to address tonight is that this problem that we've been talking about for decades is not going away. We cannot dilute it. We cannot act like it doesn't exist because it's not going to go away. Every one of us, the president, you, I, the doctor, the lawyer, we all had a teacher. You can't say that for all professions. We all had a teacher. And the reality is this. 1.53 million teachers will be hired in the next decade. Wow. That's a lot of teachers. So what are we going to do? Are we going to bring them in the same way? And I'll use a metaphor quickly. I know this is kind of harsh, but it's reality. When you train a military uh, personnel, <clears throat> when you train him, you don't put him in an environment he's not prepared, or he and his troops, and they're not going to survive. When you are in a police car, you do not send one policeman to a neighborhood because he might not survive. Unfortunately, mm -hmm. I said I had to use that metaphor. Our classrooms are no longer learning institutions. So we're sending teachers into these environments, and they're not prepared. They're wondering, where, am I going into a classroom? Am I going into a war zone? What is happening? And every school district is different, mind you. Every school district and classroom has their own culture of problems and issues. And my challenge is, as an American and as the United States of America, we have to be united in this. We have the, probably the most diverse classrooms in the country. If we have the most diverse classrooms in the country, then why don't we have a diverse teaching staff? What happened there? What, why are we putting the same individuals in the classroom that's totally different than it was 30 years ago? We have so many issues with our families, with our communities, and one of my deepest desires is to have a teacher connect with the family. How is it that you, as a teacher, do not know what family system your students are coming from? And again, mind you, we have another whole situation where every school district is different. Every school district will have their certain criteria that a teacher must have. And I believe that 
as we look ahead, because we can't focus on the past. We've always, always, it's always been this way. We're doing this way. The one teacher ratio to 30 kids, I'm going to say boldly, it's over. It is a done deal. We cannot continue to put one teacher in a situation where she's exhausted, whether it's discipline problems, whether it's pressure from the outside, whether it's physical problems, it could be psychological. We don't know, but they're under a, a tremendous amount of pressure, and we cannot, we can no longer afford uh, for this country to keep treating them like they're not valuable. I want to say one thing. In my research, I discovered that the majority of teachers, especially in the urban and suburban environment, they were not even aware of their classroom environment. They, they, they got their bachelor's, they got their license, and the district said, okay, here, go to work. And they come and they're just overwhelmed. Principals don't have that um, leadway, unfortunately. Currently, at this point, individual states, states are responsible for choosing certain types of assessments so teachers can be licensed. And my question is this, if the states are individual and they are giving assessments to give license, why is it that every state is giving the same assessments but you have a different climate and different environment for each state? Exactly. And the test that they're giving, the, the assessment, unfortunately, is just a subject matter. It does not test personality. And I am a strong advocate of this. You put a second-grade teacher in a classroom, that's, and she's teaching math, and she has not been assessed because she should probably be teaching 10th grade and maybe teaching history for longevity. We don't have that assessment in place. That's why it takes more to get an undergrad degree and a certificate license to teach. We have to understand the personality type. We have to understand the background of that teacher. We have to understand so many dynamics of the teacher. We focus on their knowledge, but we don't know if they're competent. The classrooms are changing. Why are the teachers changing? And this is what I'm, call this is what I'm called to do. I have some questions even for the audience. You know, I think about assessments. You know, test, test, test. And on every level, students are given tests, military is giving tests. Why aren't we assessing our teachers to see if they're even able to withstand a certain type of classroom environment? I want to say, and I want to say this strongly, our classrooms are different. Why are we doing the same thing and expecting different results? It's just not going to happen. So I want to open up with those strong statements. I do want to say that about one-third of our principals, uh, and this has been researched, that they don't even know who's coming on their campus. They have yet to see, and this is their campus. They know exactly what's going on in those classrooms. They need more control. Mm -hmm. And uh, in regards to the different levels of hiring uh, teachers, the changing the, the structure in the United States, it's going to take time. It takes time for change. I am personally tired of hearing how bad it is. When are we going to start focusing on what we can do to change? We're supposed to be United States of America, so are we united when it comes to our teachers? Probably not. And our mm -hmm. teachers, do you know that our teachers, they are, I would say, the number one, they're the, they're the number one profession, they're the most hired in our country. It's the top profession, but they get treated as if they were the, the lowest profession. So there's a lot of things that we have to do and put in place 
But my desire, my passion, my personal, should I say, desire is to see change on the forefront before they get to the school. Make sure they're physically, psychologically um, uh, ready to go into the classroom academically. There's so many dynamics to a teacher. Yes. Okay. Well, Dr. Judy, we have several callers on the line right now who are uh, willing to, to get in. Hold on, callers. We're going to get to you right now because, Dr. Judy, you have covered so many areas mm. that you touched on. Mm. And I know I've got educators on the line um, that are waiting to, to get on, but I know that we have uh, North and Central uh, Orange County, who are on the line. Um, let's see. Uh, uh, okay, Carla, are you there? All righty, let's see. Okay, let's open up here. Okay, they they went out. Okay, they hung up. Um, Carla, are you there? Okay, let's see if we can open up this lines here. All right. Let's see if we can just unmute everybody. Just unmute all of everybody here and see who we've got on the line. I know we've got callers from Texas here. We've got callers from uh, all over. But there was a question asked on the chat board. It says, why are the teachers treated so badly? Mm. Well, the, I believe the, treat, the teachers are treated badly because people, including administration, parents, students, the honor that the teacher once held um, was diminished because of the title, what they had to do, um, the load. Um, to be a teacher means to teach. You've you, you got to let them teach. And so when they became a social worker, a parent, a security guard, then their morale, their self-esteem, their value. And it's, it's pretty interesting, the question, why are they treated so badly? Maybe because after so many years, they forgot to treat themselves. You know, you, you, you allow people to treat you how you treat yourself. So it's sad that that's the way it is, but most teachers are stuck in a job and they begin to think, well, this is how they're treating me, so I must treat myself. And usually they don't, they don't stay long. So that's, that's the answer to, to that question. Okay, very good. Well, you know what? Um, I want you to go ahead further and talk about the, the different levels because that was, a, that was a question I had when you talk about um, why are, are, the, are the teachers not being assessed mm-hmm. for the different levels of um, classes that they, yes. that they should be teaching? Yes. Um, what does it take? I mean, because you, you think about that. I mean, that, that's something that you really have to think about because when you think about the, 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 the teachers that go into these classrooms, like you said, you have a, a teacher who's a second, who's going to teach a second grader but has the level of teaching a 10th grader. Yes. Where, where is that? Who makes those decisions? Good question. Very good question. Currently, 
we do not have anything in place, that, not that I know of, that would maybe, I would say screen, I would use the word screen, teachers for different, ter- different types of subject matter, and we match it with their personality style. Is that teacher temperament, is that teacher's temperament better uh, equipped, I'm sorry, is that teacher's temperament, you know, is it, does it equal a second grade class? Is that teacher's personality stronger with high school students? There's so many personal traits that a teacher brings to a classroom, and it may not be second grade. It could be seventh grade. The second thing, what about the subject matter? You could be teaching art, but you really are really a dynamic math teacher. How do we how do we do how do we make sure that we're putting the right teachers in the right schools with the right grades and the right um, grade level? This this is all you know. This is this is a really it's a mystery. Getting a bachelor's degree and getting licensed to go into a classroom, and you're not able to give and really exert who you are and your knowledge, it's, it's, it's very discouraging. It's very discouraging because most um, new teachers come out excited. I want to be a teacher. I want to be a teacher. Not mm-hmm. realizing that the second grade material may be a little bit too, mm, should I say, it doesn't match who you are as, a, as, a, as your, your personality style. Mm-hmm. There's so many dynamics. Maybe you're an introvert, and you are, or we talk about the left brain and the right brain. You're stronger analytical. Your creativity. Who are you? Can you match that with your classroom? There's so many, and we focus on the teacher's traits. There's so many assessments out there that have yet to be used to kind of gauge, wow, am I putting my teacher in the right environment? How long is this teacher going to last in third grade versus seventh grade? You see what I'm saying? Okay, so now what, what I'm going to do is now I can open up now. Now, a caller from Central Orange, are you there? Okay, let's see. Now, we've got a caller, caller all the way from Texas. Caller, are you there? Well, maybe they're just listening. Okay, let's see what else we have on the line. Uh, caller from California, are you there? Okay. All right. Well, let's see what we have from Southern, South, South Carolina. Are you there? All right, maybe we have just some listeners. Let's see, who we have on the line right now? Uh, Give us your name and where you're calling from. I'm Evelyn Payne, and I'm from Los Angeles. Hello, Miss Evelyn. Evelyn Payne, um, welcome to Rise's Corner once again. I'm so happy to have you back. And Mm -hmm. what I would like uh, my listening audience to is to introduce yourself and tell uh, Dr. Judy who you are. Well, I'm Evelyn Payne, as I said, and I've worked over 30 years in early education. Hmm. I had about six years of teaching early education to adults uh, as they were working on their bachelor's degrees at a university. And I've also authored a children's book uh, entitled Thank You, Teacher. Hmm. Very good. Uh, I I did hear, I I, I didn't get in on all of her conversation, of everything that was being said, but one of the things that I know that is true of LA Unified is that they do 
um, have the matrix system, which does place teachers, you know, there, my, my daughter, for instance, is, is an elementary teacher who has very, gotten very disillusioned, as, as um, she, uh, Dr. I was uh, saying, because of the placement. Because what happens when you go in as a new teacher, you get the leftovers if, in fact, the senior teachers want you know, grade four or grade three. So I know that in one particular year she was given a, a fourth, fifth grade split uh, because that was what was left and nobody wanted that. And um, and she was very energetic and very excited about teaching and very much in love with the idea of, you know, working. But her strength is with the younger kids. Second grade is she's, she's perfect for second grade. Mm-hmm. But um, once again, it has to do with the, the matrix system and the union. That is that's really the bottom line of how they how uh, teachers are determined, which is not the best way of placing a teacher in the right spot. Yes. Okay. You had a question. You want me to comment, or you want you have a question? I want you to comment because I have questions for both of you. Okay. Well. You know, like I said earlier, every school district, every state has its own unique process on how they bring their teachers in. What I'm concerned about, when we talk about the United States, we, we, we have so many things that divide us, including unions, including how we do things. Okay, what I'm saying is that the massive exodus that keeps happening with the new teachers, um, the old teachers saying, I don't want to leave, I mean, the consistent, the thread that keeps our country strong. Um, when we talk about education and teachers, and we know, okay, my state, your state, somehow, some way, and like I said earlier, this is a time factor. For this to happen next week, it's not going to happen next week. So what we have to do is begin to put small little markers in place. If we have a school in, in Los Angeles County, or should I say the LA Unified, that is, being, that is successful, and what I'm talking about. So we go and get that prototype. How, do, how are you doing this? How long have you been doing this? Are your teachers staying? What are you doing? And as soon as we find that out, we all come together and say, you know what, can you help us? So we, we're not saying that everybody in the United States are not keeping their teachers. We're saying that because we are such a powerful nation, we need to begin to refocus our efforts, efforts of education towards our teachers. Well, let me ask you this, and I, and I can ask this because this is a comment uh, that uh, Sister Evelyn had made regarding senior teachers. Now, senior teachers, did they or did they not go through a type of assessment when they were given a class? Right. Uh, well, did they have that? Well, not that I'm aware of. I mean, basically, it's it, like I said, it's matrix, and so that if you're, and I'm speaking generally of an, of an elementary setting because that's what I'm, I'm most familiar with, next to early ed. But it's it's just a matter of preference. If if this teacher who has taught sixth grade decides she doesn't want it anymore, she's just tired of working with sixth grade, and she's the senior person on that list, she gets to pick first where she wants to go next year, even though even if she is not qualified to teach in that class. Basically, they should all have for elementary teachers should all have an elementary credential. So that that's first and foremost. They they are required to have a credential, and that credential would be an elementary credential, which would qualify them to teach from uh, kindergarten up to maybe eighth grade or wherever the kind, wherever the elementary level stops. 
So there, there's a different credential for, you know, so they, they, they do qualify based on the credential that they hold. So that between grades, now I wouldn't I wouldn't say that you take one of those people and necessarily put them in a middle school or a high school, but as long as they're on an elementary campus, you know, it's sort of a free for all. Whoever chooses that grade at that time gets to, to work with it. But they do they do have to have an elementary credential. Wow. Okay, ladies and gentlemen, you are here at 225CL, Galaxy Talk Radio. Tonight is education, and we have Dr. Judy Murray, who is going to go into um, more regarding her uh, expertise in the field of education and everything that she has accomplished. Um, I know that we have some callers on the line. Callers, um, are you there? Do we have someone from New Jersey? Are you there? Okay, I see we've got a lot of callers, but I guess maybe they're just listening, Dr. Judy. Okay. Very, I think you've got a good, you've got a classroom now, right now, Dr. Judy. <laughs> classroom of listeners right now, okay? <laughs> <laughs> Which is great. That's great. We, that's what we need, okay? Mm-hmm. All right, so, so let's go on. Let's go a little further into um, your field of expertise, Dr. Judy, because I know you're talking about um, the accomplishments and everything that you you were uh, um you're aspiring to do. So what are you doing now? I mean, what's going on? Well, right, currently I, I do assessments for kids for, from grades K through 12, and basically they are grade-level assessments, learning style, and then also intelligence uh, testing. I always want to stay connected, although my passion is for teachers and making sure that they get what they need and stay in the classroom. We cannot have teachers without students, and we cannot have students without teachers. So I have to make sure the the students and the parents are connected with uh, the type of learning style their child, how does their child learn. And I think the, the more you stay with these type of assessments with the child, how they learn, and making sure they're at the right grade level, and their level of intelligence, we um, we have to make sure that we balance out the student with the teacher because once the teacher knows how a child learns and also the parent, it makes it a lot easier on that child um, in regards to that child learning, much, much easier. And then most parents want to know how smart my child is. So they bring him to my office and say, Dr. Murray, I want my child tested because it's, I live in Orange County. It's, it's, it, most parents are very competitive. I'm sure it's that way all over, but we have a, a large um, influx of, of diversity from all over the world, and people want knowledge. They want their kid. They want to know how smart is my kid. Competition, for whatever reason, they want to make sure their child is above above average in, in every topic. And then the last test I give is the grade-level assessment, and basically what that does, we're in September, and when your child enters a new school year, you as a parent, you need to know what grade they are performing at. It is really sad for you to think he's sixth grade, but he's really actually third grade. And the sooner you know that, the better the whole, I mean, the whole his journey, his whole journey in school will be because he'll always be behind. So I do test for that. I do have a, another series I'm working on with athletes. We have a system where athletes are being pushed through the system and they don't know what grade level they're in. And so we match this with the teachers to let them know if an athlete is performing at a certain level, why, is it an injury, brain injury, we want to know why because when they get to high school, they're not able to get the scholarship. So I do test athletes on all levels, football, um, 
athletes that are going into um, to professional sports or to college, so I make sure that they are, are ready uh, to handle uh, the academic material when it comes to athletes. So I do do that also. Yeah. Okay. Well, you know what? I want, I want to hone in to the point of parents supporting or wanting to see their children achieve. Mm-hmm. Um, in today's society, uh, and more too often, we find that you have a lot of latchkey kids. Mm-hmm. You have a lot of children who are out there on their own. And they don't have, they have maybe have a mother, a single parent uh, family, and the mother has to work two, three jobs. Um, father's not in the home. Or you might have two parents in the home, and there could be a division, there could be, you know, everything going on in that house that should not be going on in the house. And that child is suffering. Yes. Now, in the educational system, and I know with uh, my sister Evelyn, I know she's seen this even in, at the elementary school level. Young children who are really suffering, who look like they really want to achieve in their life, but do not have that support. I mean, how do you confront that? How do you can even confront a parent or, you know, the parent of uh, that, that child, that you see that child has such great potential mm-hmm. that the parent could really care less? I'm trying to make some money. I'm trying to just put some food on the table. Yeah, yeah I got like, two jobs. I ain't got time for this. I ain't got time. You know, you can hear the stories coming out. How do you deal with that, Dr. Judy? And then I'm going to go to Evelyn because I know that she's had to have dealt with those type of situations. Let me um, make sure I understand your question. Are you are you asking me? Are you saying that we have several, or should I say, a large amount of latchkey children at home alone? And you're asking me what? Yeah, I should... when you see when you see these children, that I'm sure if these children come face to face with you, mm-hmm. have you had? those situations where you had children who look like they have or desire the, the potential to learn more, yes. but don't have the support of those families, of their mother and the father. I mean, because I'm trying to understand, because with Evelyn, and let, me, let me direct this to Evelyn first, because I think she, she knows more so what I'm, I'm speaking on when I talk about latchkey kids. Yes. Um, when you see young kids coming to school, um, you know, barely getting there, um, and you see that they they want to achieve, but but you see the potential there, but they don't have the support of the mother or they don't have the support of the father because of the situations that's going on at home. How do you deal with those young children? How do you bring them up out of that darkness into a light? Well, one of the things that uh, LA Unified offers is a support system. Uh, we do have before and after school care for the child that really needs it in most of our elementary schools on most of our campuses um, so that they can be brought to those schools. But even beyond that, you have those parents 
who's still not helping maybe at home once they get home in the evenings they're not there to support them and you know we we try to address those kinds of things broadly in parent meetings and uh we bring in speakers you know to to talk to them and uh, give them suggestions on what it is that they can do it, you know if that doesn't seem to work then we we have you know called parents in to just say let you know let me let me talk to you about this um, you, you try as hard as you can to offer as much support as you can, but we do have parent meetings to focus on some of those issues. Yes, and, that, that, and that's, what, that's what's key right there because I know, Dr. Judy, you said that you, know, you have taught on all grade levels and, and all subjects in both public and private. I mean, have you had that, those type of situations come up before you? Well, one of my backgrounds is counseling, and so if I <laughs> – if I feel, or should I say, if I sense that a child is being, quote, left behind or neglected or not being paid attention to, I personally, to be honest with you, I contact the parent. I know we mm-hmm. we uh, we want to make sure the school is involved, but the parent, to me, is the number one teacher, and the parent has a lot of influence on what happens. Yes, they're at work, and yes, they're doing uh, everything they can to take care of their child. But they are the number one contact. After, we, after I personally talk to the parent, then I talk to the teacher. Then I talk to the school district to see what I can do. And, again, it depends on the severity of, quote, left behind. I mean, some kids, unfortunately, they've got it down pat. They know what to do. It's not safe, but it's the way it is. And me personally, when the kids come to the clinic, if they got tested or if there's something wrong with their um, learning I um, I usually just keep it in the hands of the parents uh, before I go on, on a broader note with, with children who are left behind. Hmm. But, I mean, what, what about if the parents are not cooperative? Let me put it that way. Well, you know, that's another issue in regards to social social work, and and that's kind of out of my area, you know, reporting and and. Be neglecting their child or abusing their child or putting their child in a dangerous, that's a little bit out of my educational uh, road. But I do, I have seen cases uh, where, you know, where they have to get referred to um, the social worker because they're not responding to their child's academic needs or any other needs for their child. But that's, that's something I don't get too, too involved with. Mm-hmm. I try to stay in my lane education. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Exactly. Okay, so that's that's what's key. That's that's what I'm trying to see the difference with what you're doing, Dr. Judy, which is phenomenal. I mean, it's phenomenal what you're doing when you're taking these children and and taking them and and teaching them from kindergarten on up to twelfth grade, and what you're assessing with them. But on the other hand, with Evelyn, she's right there in the school system. Correct, Evelyn? Yes. Yes, I was. I'm, I'm not, you know, I retired last year, but I, that was my role. Mm-hmm. And that was something that I had to do. You know, if, if I saw an extreme situation, um, if, if, we, if, if our first attempts didn't, didn't help the, the, to support the family, then we, we did have, you know, to, to report if it's extreme. And once again, we're talking in my, in my world of expertise was the, the, you know, the younger kids so that when, when, you you saw something that was extreme. Of course, it, we were mandated reporters. We had to report, but it, that was a rare situation that that had to that it came to that. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, generally in in talking to parents and you know they're into the principal's office and they you know I'm I was a hands-on principal 
And because I had a smaller group of kids than a regular elementary school, I, I had early ed when I was in the, you know, my my world was early ed. Mm-hmm. So um, that was that made it easier for me to reach parents. Uh, but once again, we we started off at the beginning of the year with, you know, things that helped them with discipline and helped them. We gave them uh, support. Um, systems, you know, the, the, this agency is is for this, and this agency we had agency uh, presenters come in and talk to them. This is what we have. This is what we have to offer. This is what we do, and so that we made them aware of of the kinds of things that might be be helpful to them, so that yeah. they knew that they had resources, mm-hmm. um, somebody to to go to to help them out. And and um, yeah, you do have to once in a while go, you know, beyond that. But that's that wasn't a, 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 a you know a regular occurrence. Right, exactly. Okay, well, I know we still have some callers on the line. Uh, Texas, are you there? North Central Texas, are you there? Yes. Oh, very good. Give us your name and where you're calling in from. What part of Texas? Yes, Fort Worth, Texas. Very good. And your name? Yes. I'm sorry, what is your name? Edward Tracy. Edward Tracy, and what is your comment for our panelist, Dr. Judy Murray, tonight? Uh, I've known Judy for many years, and I just wanted to call and listen to uh, what (laughs) she had to say and and see if she had any advice on uh, how to handle Texas teacher shortage or pay or uh, bilingual uh, teachers or or uh, I think maybe a state ought to pay a free tuition for uh, good people that would make good teachers. We need mm-hmm. teachers, and about 25% of the people uh, uh, didn't pass our task test uh, when they finished school. And mm. we got a real problem here in Texas and probably throughout the United States. Yeah, I was about to say, you know, that sounds like something that is not only in Texas, but that's all uh, nationwide when we talk about the um, underdevelopment of our educational system. Um, go ahead, uh, Dr. G, you want to comment on our brother? Yeah. Uh, hi, hi, Mr. Ed Tracy. Thank you for calling in. He's a really, really good friend of mine. Very good. It's a strong a strong, uh, powerful man. Um, yes, I want to say this. Um, you know, I said earlier many times when a problem is insurmountable, when it's so big, we want to keep looking at the problem and keep looking at the past. We've done it this way. But I employ everyone who's listening, educators, um, radio hosts, presidents, that we have to look ahead. We cannot keep – we can't stay where we are and we can't go back, so we have to look ahead. And my sister Evelyn talked about L.A. Unified and the unions, and then Ed's talking about the, sh- the shortage. When I say we have 1.5 million teachers coming or more, this is what we have. We're not discarding the ones that are in place. Don't get me wrong. But we've got to be motivated to change, and change takes time. And I know we want to put out the fire today, but we can't. We have to see what we can do, we have to start strategizing each school district, each culture. Each school district has its own learning culture. I want to reemphasize that. Texas, California, each state has its demographics, 
that they are aware of what's happening, how many low income, how many, how many you know, salaries, suburban, how many school districts, who do we have in this place. And on a state level, it has to be handled as such because every state is accountable for school districts and what comes down the pipeline. So, Mr. Tracy, I am so sad to say that Texas has a shortage, but we're, the United States has a shortage. And, but we have to prepare for the new teachers. They're coming in. We're talking 1.5 million plus in the next decade. Keep that in your thoughts. We don't want to keep going back because we get, we'll get stuck. And if we keep focusing what's happening now, we get frustrated. So we've got to look forward. We've got, we got to keep our, our eye on the mark. We cannot get – we're United States. We've got to stay united with this issue. Very good, very good. Thank you. Thank you for calling in, Mr. Edward Tracy. I'm from Texas. Well, glad to uh, be able to uh, talk to Judy and hear her output on Texas. I know she's an expert. Thank you. You're so welcome. All right, we do have a caller calling all the way from East Virginia. Finish your name when you call in in Virginia. Hello? Yes, go ahead. You're on. You're on. You got what you're talking about. My phone is from uh, Virginia, but I'm actually out here in the Bay Area in Benicia. My name is Jomi Bird. I work in the actual uh, uh, school district community in West Country Costa. Mm-hmm. I know you show you. I know What's your comments for tonight? So, yeah, yeah, I just wanted to chime in a little bit, and um, uh, I was just uh, briefly listening to you guys and liking everything that I hear. Like, like I, I think I think that's the issue. That's the ongoing issue and, to, and will continue to be an issue. I think one of the things that we got to do is, um, make sure that um, we want to get teachers from outside of the areas because it's a breath of fresh air. But at the same time, you, you also want to get teachers that are here to understand the, the community and the culture and everything like that. So you also want to get that part of it. Um, so you guys are saying that you guys are saying that we shouldn't be uh, getting teachers from other areas and um, bringing them in. Like, what's 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 really like like the, a question that. Um, who who is the question addressed to? To you, Dr. Judy. Okay. Um, can you give me your question again? So, like, I know you guys are talking about the fact that we should probably um, talking about like 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 not bringing in like like teachers from other areas that don't know the uh, culture of that district or like that state or something like that or. No. Or you no, saying no, we're losing that's, teachers that's not- or. That's not what I, that's not what I said. I'm not sure okay. where what what we're focusing on is changing the way we hire teachers in oh, America. We the way we hire, and if it takes bringing someone outside the community, then so be it. If it if it allows for the ones in the community to stay there, so be it. I mean, we cannot reinvent the wheel in one day. We are we are we need solutions, and one of the solutions is to change. The, the structure that's happening now, I, I spoke earlier about reform. There's no form left. We don't have a form. And so, you know, we've got to come up with something new, and it has to be the form. Uh, you know, I, I get frustrated because we put billions of dollars into something that's broken. It's a broken system. So now we have to go back to the table and, and change the way we see our teachers. Our teachers are very special. Uh, they to me, I, when I say teachers, I think of China dolls. They're just they're, they're, 
they're, they're, they're fragile. I mean, they need help on every angle, whether it's psychological, financial, uh, spiritual. They need it. They need us. And we all had teachers. And for us not to value them and honor them, uh, it's just, it breaks my heart. It breaks my heart. Yeah. yeah and, and speaking of that, the teachers, like we're actually going through, like, contract negotiations. Yeah, I think, like, the way we hire teachers does need to be looked at. And yep. I think, you know, sometimes I think they put a lot of obstacles in front of teachers yep. to stop them from, um, yep. you know, working in certain places, obstacles That's right. that aren't really needed, you know. That's right. But I think if you want to get good teachers, you got to make sure, first of all, you compensate them well. You don't put these unnecessary obstacles in front of them. Now, yep. they definitely need to know their craft. But, yes. you know, they got so many state tests and different things that stop good teachers from Staying in the profession and different things, you know. Yeah, and again, again, we we want to focus on the head. I know everybody wants to deal with what's happening now, and, and I understand that. I do. I understand the the saga, the pain, the uh, the frustration. But we've got to look at we, we. You know, I think about so many situations that were horrible for for a certain group of people. But we had to look ahead. We can't we can't we can't stop. We got to look ahead. We got to have hope. Absolutely. We can never stop yeah. thinking that it's going to get better. We have to. I mean, our kids. Your kids, my grandkids, we have to leave something here for for our children, and it's and for me, it's better teachers. Exactly, ladies and gentlemen, we're here at T25 CL Galaxy Talk Radio here at Roslyn's Corner. I invite you to go to our website at www.t25cl.com. Visit all the great music and entertainment that is on the website. And hey, look, if you're an independent artist. Artist, musician, singer, filmmaker, T25CL is the avenue for your distribution. It goes global. It goes worldwide. And we invite you to just come on out, okay? Um, so, yeah, before we uh, do wrap up our show, we have um, a few calls. Uh, Carolina, are you still there? Yes, I am. Oh, wow. Oh. <laughs> hey, Carolina from Carolina. <laughs> Hi. <laughs> My name is Jerry Tatum, and I'm calling in from Columbia, South Carolina. I am a parent, and I've been listening this whole time. And the one thing, the question I have to Dr. Mary is, you say that we have to look ahead. Can you just give me some specifics as to what I should be looking for? As a parent. Yes, as a parent. Uh, with, the, with the school district, I've had well, let me let me ask you something. And this is I want to say on 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 the air. This is my very best friend. We've known each other since eighth grade. This is Terry, she's my very best friend. Thanks for calling, Terry. Mm-hmm. But um, Terry, give me some specifics when you say. You, apparently, you have some frustrations as a parent. So, could you please give me one or two frustrations? Because we could go on all night about looking ahead to certain issues. But what are what are your personal frustrations as a parent? Well, uh, teachers not knowing the learning styles of children, not mm. picking up on the different learning styles of children, trying to make all the children fit the same box, not being able to teach children mm. with different learning styles. That's my biggest frustration. Mm-hmm. And then as a parent, you know, you go up there with your ideas and everything, and they're like, they're the ones with the degrees. They're the ones, mm. you know, and you go with your ideas, and they're like, okay, well, why didn't I think of that? I don't know. Weren't you trained? You're the one with the degrees. Haven't they taught you that? Don't you go to reinforce it? You know, why do I as a I'm the and, of course, they're my children. I support them. I take them, but I'm thinking I'm putting them in the hands of the right people when 
at the end of the day, it's hardly ever the right people. Well, not all the teachers, but the majority of the teachers, they're just not, they're not able to cope, like you said, and deal with the, all these different types of students that they have today. Okay. So one of the, one of the proposals in my, my, I suppose I should say my, my bill to change the way I hire teachers in America is to bridge a stronger, unified teamwork with the parent. And you say, well, Dr. Murray, how would you do that? In other nations such as Asia and Norway, we, they have a system in place where before you are hired as a teacher, you are connected not only with the parent, but that household. What is going on? What happens with the discipline? How do you as a parent handle discipline? Have you tested your child for learning style? As much information as they need on that family and the educational um, expectations of that parent. What happens many times is that parents and teachers forget, they truly forget that they are a team. Uh, they don't realize that the child is going home to their greatest supporter. And once the parent and the, and the teacher become a, 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 a stronger force in the, the, the life of that child, when I, I wouldn't say force, a stronger influence on what that child learns and how that child learns because they work hand in hand. Put your, okay, if I, was a te- well, if I was a teacher in South Carolina and you came to me as a parent saying, hey, you know what, there's something wrong here and that teacher didn't have a clue of what you were talking about, her response could be, oh, Ms. Colden, well, you know what, I apologize. Can you give me some more information? So one of the, one of the uh, should I say, one of the steps in the hiring process should be a stronger coalition with parents, and not just signing a paper saying I'll volunteer. We're talking just like they sent a, parent, a, a, a teacher into the school to get some student training, we take the student into the home and say, you know what, take a look. What's happening here? Now, mind you, privacy and different things of like that, they can say yes or say no. Most parents want to connect with their, their teachers, but some parents say, I don't want you in my home. I don't want you around my environment, and that's fine. But if you want to see change and if you want to support our teachers, we have to compromise. We have to meet them somewhere because their job is just as important as any other profession in, in the United States. They have, a, they have a big job, and we need to support them any way we can. Yeah, um, do you mind if I chime in really quick? Really quick. This is uh, uh, Jomi Bird again. Because <laughs> um, I heard, like, like um, you guys were just uh, stating the fact that, like, in other countries, you know, Asia and stuff like that, mm-hmm. that's, that's one of the things that I would like to see change is how our citizens view teachers. You yep. know, like like some of yep. them view them a certain way, but when you go over to other cultures, I mean, yep. they're like the sensei, they're like the yep. masters. They, yes. you know, their parents and stuff. They make sure their kids respect those teachers, and when they come yep. in, they almost basically bow to those teachers because they learn from them. And I think that's a big part of the issue, um, as well. We gotta change the way we as a country look at teachers, and that's okay. gonna help change a lot of things as well. Because once we start viewing them as okay, these are people who are gonna lead our youngsters, then they come in the classroom. They're more respectful. We actually got a better relationship with the parents at that point as well. Yes. So like, yes. It's something that across the board has to happen, yes. that we got to change what we view with teachers. And in other countries, they do that. In, in the yes. Asian countries, I know because I had an Asian kid, and the parent came into my classroom and basically, like, you know, the kid was almost bowing and stuff like that, like, like very humble and everything, and really, really respected the teacher, you know. And that's how they look at them. And you can tell, like, through, like, the way their students learn and everything like that. 
Exactly, exactly. I think um, that's so key, uh, Jomi. Respect has gone out the window when it comes to these teachers in these classrooms. We hear such horror stories that, you know, even these teachers go through. But, I mean, uh, just uh, it, it works hand in hand. Uh, teachers respect the students and the students respect the teachers. Uh, of course, you know, you have the horror stories. But it, it, it's like um, Dr. Judy was saying, it's going to take time, take time. Yeah, it will. Now, we do, have, we do have one more caller on the line. Um, uh, Andre Ward, are you on the line, sir? I saw the chief is on the line. Yes, okay. I'm here. Okay, very good. Thank you for joining us tonight. Yes, it's a pleasure to be here and uh, listening. And Dr. Murray, it's a pleasure to have you back on the show. It's definitely a pleasure. Thank you. Thank you. And all of the instructors that are that are on the line as well, uh, Sister Evelyn and Brother Joey, it's, it's definitely a pleasure to have the instructors. And you guys are the real heroes. Mm, you know, they, that's right. You know, they, they prop up sports figures and, and these musicians that, and you know that make a lot of money and uh, all these sort of things and classify them, you know, in, in special high regards. But but you guys are the true heroes to do what you do, and you guys are in a very difficult uh, position in what you do because of the nature and the magnitude of um, of, of your product. And there's a reason why you need a, a million a million and a half new teachers coming up. Is teaching is not that difficult. I mean, I've taught at the private post-secondary education level, and and it was cool. But I don't know if I would teach, you know, first grade through twelfth grade. I mean, it's it's okay teaching, but when you have to come in and be a parent, you got to be a prison guard, you got to be all of this. It it really puts a real strain on the instructors. I mean, it's a great job. You get, what, four months vacation a year and with all the holidays and everything. But it's sort of like hiring a um, a teller to work in a bank, but also say, hey, look, you got to wear the 357 Magnum, but you got to be the security guard. At the <laughs> front of the exactly. Mm-hmm. I agree. It's, it's, it's really for two sort of like classifications of children, the ones that are coming from these homes that are, not feeding the children properly or to be drugs, it could be criminality and all kind of crap that they have to witness. Yeah. And then coming forward to the classroom, they're bringing those habits into the classroom. And then you're looking at the other student who may be an intelligent student who's on the Internet and studying and saying, wait a minute, George Washington, Thomas Jefferson, and, and all these guys, they were slave masters. And here they are writing the Constitution of the United States and and black folks didn't have any rights, and we built this country up. And so, and how come this the true history of this country isn't being taught um, to us in schools? And so we're being miseducated. And so there's, there's a couple of things that are putting teachers in a real vice when you're knowing the truth, and you have to maybe teach some things that are mistruths or somewhat skewed. Mm-hmm. Yep. Just to keep up with somebody has told you to do, and you're reading off a script, and you know, wait a minute, there's something wrong with this script. And not all of these students that are coming to the classroom are stupid. 
Yeah. And a lot of yeah. them are super intelligent, and they are researching this stuff, and they're saying, wait a minute, teacher, it didn't necessarily go down that way 200 years ago, 300 years ago. America was, was created in bloodshed and violence and so forth. And so you're put in a real ostentatious position because you've got both ends of the spectrum that you gotta, you got to deal with. So yeah. you guys are the true heroes, and and my question, I guess, too, would be, when you have subjects coming up like this, when you see something that is blatantly wrong in history, does a teacher have an option to teach outside of the box, or does the teacher have to follow the script? The question is for me? Dr. Judy, uh-huh. Oh, okay. Um, uh, anyway, uh, Dr. Judy, Ms. Evelyn. Evelyn, you want to go? Well, actually... I I wouldn't I have not had to deal with that because I did, taught preschool. My teaching was in preschool. Uh, perhaps the the gentleman who has worked with you know in the classroom with older kids because it, it really didn't pose itself as a problem for me. Okay. How about you, uh, uh, Dr. Judy? Well, you know um, when I think about teaching to a script and undermining children's intelligence, um, it's really it's a situation where when back to hiring a teacher, we know that administration say you better do this or else. We know that when you come in on a certain level, whether you're a, a, a veteran or a new teacher, there's always a choice. Do I do it for the child's sake to make sure this child gets what he needs or would I compromise and lose my job because I didn't do what they asked me to do? And this is a major issue when it comes to teaching certain topics, such as history, such as what someone believes. But I believe, if put in that situation, because I have taught for many years, I'm going to say live that I would be concerned about that student. If you tell me I have to teach to a test, if you tell me that I cannot give what I have to that child, then I no longer belong at that school. It's just not going to happen because... I believe that teachers are the most, probably the most impressionable person in a child's life, and they're looking up to you. They, it's like food. They're looking up, feed me knowledge. And if you do not take a personal responsibility as a teacher to give that knowledge in the way that you were designed as a teacher, shame on you. And, and there's no government, there's no administration in the world. If, if that's the case... It's time to go. For, as far, this is a personal. This, I'm not saying this is what you should do as a teacher. I'm speaking from a personal experience, and that's just the way I would handle it. Very good, very good. Okay, we do have a uh, caller from New Jersey. Are you there, New Jersey? Uh, yes, I'm here. Oh, go ahead. What was your comment? I'm sorry. I know you've been listening tonight. Um, your name is, uh, this must be Alex. Yes, this is Alex. Okay, Alice, what's your comment or question for Dr. Judy or anyone on the on the line tonight? Well, I my my question is um the standardized testing. I I heard you mention but I came in on the tail end of the conversation earlier tonight, uh the standardized testing for children. Um do you think that's appropriate for all children? And then the second half of my question is um uh so I said the standardized question, the standardized testing, I'll just stick with that one. Do you think that's appropriate for all children? 
and I do remember the second half. And do you think that um, the system, the educational system, is pushing uh, the children out before they're ready to go? Because it seems like they're just giving, uh, giving them a passing grade just to move them from one grade to the next. And is that fair? And what community does that affect most? Okay, good. Dr. Judy. Okay, let me let me. Can you, if you if you don't mind, because you you asked a lot of questions. Could you read first the first one, please? The very uh, first standard, question. Standardized uh, testing is that? Do you think that's the appropriate method for testing our kids' intelligence? Uh, testing. You said testing their intelligence or just their abilities, skills. Their abilities. Is that is that appropriate in your uh, in your? In, in my opinion, no. Okay. Um, I think their assessments, they do have their place, but I believe that if you test a child and for some strange reason that data comes to you as a parent and you look at that data and you say, okay, this is this is a, a reflection of my child's ability, then shame on you as a parent because the data, research, testing, they're rubrics. They measure a certain amount of information, but every child learns different. Every child is structured different in their learning style and even in their brains. Some are stronger right brain, some are stronger left brain. So to have a basic standardized test, and we have millions of billions of students, I don't know. I've I, I, I questioned first of all who made the test, where did it come from. Uh, second of all, who is this? Who, who, who? What are the questions? How do you make something standardized when we have a country that's very diversified? So I, I, I'm sorry, I, I just don't, uh, I don't support it. I mean, there's a places for it, maybe if you want to see just to see, but I, I, I'm just, I'm not really for that. And your second question? Uh, my second question um, is, what are your thoughts on uh, the the educational system just moving children from one grade to the other without um, them having the ability to excel in that next grade, just kind of moving them out of the system. Which is, kind of, a, which is kind of a piggyback of what you just asked because, so here we are, we have teachers who are saying, or parents say, well, my child is, quote, not that bright or my child's not ready for this grade, but I'm just going to push them through anyway. Let's get back to the, the measuring of a child's ability the test that I give is called a learning style inventory. I give that test first because, you know what, the child may not learn with test. He just may learn with reading. He may just learn with visual. He may learn with hands-on. So, you know, for me to give them a test and he may not be able to test well, that's almost kind of a, I'm, I'm wasting my time. So I, I believe in certain types. To, to see if that child can advance to the next level, but maybe in the way that he learns. Don't hold him back or her back because of a number. I think you should get a multiple of, of indicators uh, to see what a child can do. Uh, there's a call from South Carolina talked about being frustrated the way her child learns. There's a lot of parents on, in that boat. Back to your questions about pushing them through the system, um, as far as if they don't have the grades, as a parent, you have the right, the privilege, and the responsibility to make sure you know what your child is performing. This is why what I this is why I do what I do, 
People come to my office and they say, Dr. Murray, we need, I, I'm, I'm, my child, I need to know what child my, my, my child's performing at. So this is a private versus in the school system. And I saw it for many years, but I had to pull out. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, very good, very good. Did that answer your question, Alex? Yes, it did. Thank you. You're, You're welcome. so welcome. You're so welcome. Well, I really want to thank everyone for joining us tonight. Thank you, Evelyn, for joining us. But you know, there's so much more that can be shared when you talk about the educational system. And I really would like to have another show on this subject because there are other people who would like to hone in on the educational system and the effects that it's taking on our children and on the generation of today. And what I'm going to be doing is bringing in uh, some young adults who have been through the educational system and can share their stories. Mm-hmm. How's that? Is that okay, Dr. Judy? That's awesome. That is oh very very good. awesome. Very good. Very good. How about you, Evelyn? Is that all right with you? That, that sounds good. That sounds very good. True. We need to hear that. Yes, yes, because I've got some people who are trying to hone in, but I know, you know my show is getting ready to wrap up, but um, we're going to uh, – have Dr. Judy, you know, just close with some uh, closing comments. And um, Andre, do you have any parting words before we close our show out? No, it was a great show. And uh, the only other comment I wanted to make was when that Julie made when he said that when the Asian students came in and bowed as respect. That, mm-hmm. you know, and, you know, and with our film that we have done, United We Stand, and when we mm-hmm. Research education throughout Africa. Mm. We we would see the various scenes. We got video of African students in their classrooms. They're very disciplined. They listen to the instructor. They would raise their hand. There would be no back talk, and they enjoyed, um, or and still are enjoying being educated. Mm-hmm. And it, it seems like whenever you go throughout the world, various parts of the world, at least what we've researched in, in all the various African countries, mm-hmm. the students are, are very pleased and very happy to be inside the classroom. The classrooms, all the deaths are taken. And but it just seems like in this country there, there's not that same enthusiasm for education as it is in the African continent and also throughout um, Asia and the Middle East. It seems like it's only here where there's rebellion in the classroom from the students. And so I don't know if you guys want to tackle that subject tonight or you want to wait for another no, show. For the next one, yes, because we're going to have some actual students who are going to join in and join this conversation because I think we need to hear it from both sides of the spectrum. Okay. I think we do need to hear it. All right, well, ladies and gentlemen, we've been here at T25CL Galaxy Talk Radio. Dr. Judy, thank you so very much for joining us. I will be planning the next show very soon. I will preempt another one just so I'll have you back on. How's that? Oh. <laughs> thank you. Thank you, Roger. Oh, of course, i got to have you in there. Of course, my sister Evelyn as well. You know, I, I think it's very key when we talk about education. It's what makes this world turn. Yeah. And so, um, before we leave, Dr. Judy, do you have any parting comments before I close the show? I do. I just want the listeners and 
I just want you to understand when it comes to teachers and teachers gaining knowledge to teach that they must be competent. They must be competent for their particular classroom environment, and we have to help them. We can no longer just assume because they have a title as a teacher that they're competent to be in that classroom environment. And like I said earlier, and I will continue to say, we cannot look back. We cannot get frustrated on what's happening. We've got to look ahead. We have no choice. And as a, as a nation, uh, my brother Andre said, you know, Africa, Asia, who are we? Are we going to allow our teachers to be not respected? How long? How long can we can we not help our children, train our children? You know, when it comes to authoritative figures, it starts in the home. Mm-hmm. It starts in our communities, and it, it gets transferred into a classroom environment. But for some reason, if that authority figure, if it, was, if it was not in the home, like you said, kids coming to school without food and being by themselves, we might have to add that into the school system. We might just have to have a class on what it means to, to have an authority figure. Who knows? It could be a subject matter. Who knows? Like I said, there's no form left. We have to have a new form. And that's it for me. That's it. Yes. <laughs> exactly. Well, ladies and gentlemen, I really want to thank you so much for joining us tonight. We want to thank all the callers calling in from South Carolina, from Texas, uh, even Germany, not from Virginia. He's still from, I mean, he's from Virginia. He's still here in L.A., but that's okay. <laughs> and for Alex in New Jersey, I had a New York caller, but I'd like to call. They hung up. And then we had somebody from uh, North Central uh, Orange County, but I, I guess they was uh, they were listening though they were listening that's good that's good but I just want everyone to know we will continue this show because there's so much to be said when we speak about the educational system so ladies and gentlemen tonight I want to thank you all for joining us uh, like I said go to www.t25cl because this show has been recorded you can go back and listen to the show uh, in the next couple of hours and it, it, like I said it's recorded you can go back and listen to it and you know what there's some nuggets there everybody that everybody can come back on and say hey you know what I want to I want to I want to have to say all right, so we want to thank everyone for joining us tonight. And listen, Dr. Judy, thank you much, so much for calling in. You're welcome. And, and one more thing, if you, if you want your kid assessed, go to drjudymurray.com and give us a call. and We'll assess your child. Very good, very good. So, ladies and gentlemen, from here at Roswell's Corner at T25CL Galaxy Talk Radio, we want to wish everyone a good night. Good night, everyone. Good Bye-bye. night. Bye-bye.